And it's amazing, really, um, how Jesus in 2,000 words uh, set the course of the church on a different trajectory than what the world had ever been placed on in all of humanity. Jesus truly was a change agent. Amen? He changed the world. He changed the calendar. And he also changes our life. I'm so grateful to be able to speak to you this morning. And uh, we took a couple different viewpoints from this text in Matthew chapter 5, going through chapter 7, and the Sermon on the Mount as a whole, uh, Beatitudes, different things that Jesus talked about. And, and he said, you know, you've heard in Old Testament, but this way, I for I, and all that, and I say unto you. And it's pretty amazing, really, when you go back and study the context and how uh, the culture was in the time frame when Jesus was saying those things. Uh, he was truly somebody that was set apart from the, anybody that had ever taught Amen. and anybody that had ever spoken to a group of people because all the Old Testament uh, prophets would speak and they would say, uh, you know, thus says the Lord. And they would put their trust and their speech and what they were saying and balancing it on what the Lord was saying. And here comes a guy in the flesh, born of a virgin, come on somebody, Amen. living 33 years of perfect life, standing before a crowd of people, and he don't say, thus says the Lord. He said, but I say to you, yes. Jesus changed everything. Amen? Amen? He was God in the flesh. He was incarnate. Amen? He was God here on this earth, walking and teaching. And these people that were sitting there, I would love to have been in that crowd. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you love to sit on that mountainside and looking there, Jesus up on top of the mountain and, and speaking these words and these truths and these telling you things that you hadn't heard before? And you're like, wow, I never thought of it that way. And I really would love to be sitting there. And the Sermon on the Mount was that, the time how he broke out in ministry and people desired to hear what he said. I think today, even in our world, in the world of confusion, of all the different things, and everybody's got opinions and ideals, and we all got our own way of doing things, and our own thoughts about this, and our own concerns and issues, and all this stuff. I think the world is still searching for truth. Yes. Amen. I think there's people that come to the bridge that come here to say, "I need a nugget of truth this week." Amen. So that I can hear truth, and I know it because it resounds in my heart. That's truth. Yes. I hope and pray that sermons here challenges you and your viewpoints based on this what is sitting before you. This word is the word of God. Amen. It transforms lives. Amen. It changes our ideals and it should change our opinions. Amen? amen. amen. Not enough of you believe that. I said amen. You didn't say that back. I didn't hear you. Come on now. So in this text and in this scripture, I just pulled a couple of things through and we talked about how Jesus up on the mountain, you know, and he took a high place and how we need to do that in our life. Take some high places. And then last week we talked about how we need to use whatever method or or uh, like Matthew was here last week and how that he can uh, Michael. Michael. I knew it was wrong when I said it. Michael was here last week and how he taught us we can use a platform that's different and how Jesus did that here in this sermon on the mount. He used a platform of whatever avenue he could take to affect people's lives, he was willing to do that. Whether it was sitting on the side of a well to talk to a woman that had five husbands, whether it was bending down and kneeling down in the dirt and scratching some things on the dirt and the woman caught an adultery brought it up to him, or whether it was him standing there to one of his favorite disciples, Peter, and said, you can't do that, Peter. You can't cut people's ear off. Amen? Amen. So Jesus 
knew how to talk to people. He did it with compassion, but he also spoke truth. Amen? John, the disciple that Jesus loved, according to John, we should all be that way. We said that a couple weeks ago. Jesus loves you. Amen? Yes. It ain't just a little song we sing. It's true. And uh, in John, it says that Jesus came and he preached. And he preached with spirit of grace and truth. Some people just like the grace portion, not the truth portion. Amen? I'm guilty myself. Amen. I'd rather have the grace of God than the truth of God sometimes. Right, Ernie? Because the truth will challenge you. The truth words up in your grill. Say, Peter, you can't cut somebody's ear off. But I want to, God. I felt like I needed to. I didn't even save you, Jesus. Jesus like, I don't need a Savior. I am the Savior. Amen. Come on, somebody. That's the truth. So here Jesus is. And I love this sermon on the mountain. I hope and pray that you've read through this. And you should multiple more times even after this sermon's over. I hope and pray that you really dig into this uh, portion of Scripture and study it because there's a whole lot in it. And I've told you when we started this, we could go for years on this and never get out of, 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 of the Sermon on the Mount, but we have to. We've got other places to go. I'm so excited for next week. It's Easter. Amen. Amen. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Uh, we got a sermon series kicking off next week, and it's going to be awesome. You want to make sure and get there. You want to make sure and get your friends and family there. Uh, at the high school, we did that so we could spread out. We socially distanced. Uh, we had to go through all kinds of steps and procedures and get all the approval of all the things to be able to get that done. And we thank the leadership of the Lewis County School System for allowing us to do that. And it's going to be a great weekend next weekend at the high school. Get somebody there. Amen. Amen. Get you somebody there. Load your car up and bring somebody with you to sit there close to you and socially distance. Amen. So that we can fill that place up. It's got a lot of seats in it. Uh, and hopefully we'll be able to see a good crowd next weekend. Uh, we're going to spread out kids, uh, youth group, or children's church will be in the gym, nursery will be in the library, adults will be in the auditorium, and we're going to have all kinds of room, and a lot of people can come, and we don't have to worry about being closed in. Amen. I was worried about trying to do it here. We're going to try to use all the buildings and do different things, and finally come to the conclusion where, uh, and we, we attempted to get that approval. It's been going on now for weeks, trying to get that done. Weeks. And just last week, we got the approval and the nod to do it. And I'm so excited to get the chance to do that. Uh, it's going to give Jesus a chance to kick COVID in the teeth. Right. <laughs> Come on, somebody. How many like Jesus gets to kick COVID in the teeth? Amen. Yes. Amen. Put some truth in it. Amen. Amen. Uh, so that's our chance. Um, we will be wearing mask in. We ask you to do that. Mask in, mask out, all that stuff socially distance, hand sanitizer, don't come if you got a fever, you know, all the things that's going on. We, we know how to buy all those things. So I encourage you to do that. Uh, but we're going to love God and love people in a great way next weekend. And I'm so excited about the new sermon series because it's going to be something that's going to go on for several weeks after Easter. And I assure you, it's going to be something you want to hear because Easter is a good day. Amen. Amen. It's a day where he come out of the grave. Victorious over death, hell, and the grave, and he's done away with sin forever. Amen. It's an awesome thing, and I can't wait to get there. But this week is Palm Sunday. Everybody know what Palm Sunday is? It's week before Easter. That's what it is. It's been around for a long time, 2,000 years. We've been celebrating Palm Easter. I haven't, but the church has. So uh, Palm Sunday is where we're at right now. And this sermon series is something that's ending today, but it will never end. It'll go on forever because this Word of God is established. 
and it is for eternal things, and it will always be there. But I want us to turn in our Bibles today to the last chapter in the Sermon on the Mount. It's uh, Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. Did you take my water? What's wrong with you, Why did you set it in my stand? Because this is mine. There's yours. I guess if she kisses me, I'll drink after her. Oh, my God. Hurry up. She chases me down all the time. Kiss me before I go. That's so cool, Oh, yeah, my face is red. Thanks, Joe. Don't worry. <laughs> it's red as that string. This is awesome. Usually she burns me. I got one. You can't explain. Check mark for me. <laughs> you can't have fun. You ain't in church. Amen. Church is for fun. Amen. Jesus comes to set us free, and that should be liberating. That should be fun. Amen. I don't think the disciples was a bunch of funny duddies. I think they'd walk around having a good time hanging out with Jesus. Amen. Paul says laughter is like a medicine. Amen. Everybody needs a good dose of laughter every now and then. Amen. It, it'll change your mood. Amen. If you can get in a laughing fit, I don't know if you've ever had one of those. It's kind of where your side hurts and you're slapping your knee and all that stuff. It's the best thing ever. Amen. If you ain't done it for a while, you've been dealing with some stuff, just get listen to what Michael Jr. did thing. There's some YouTube videos. We'll share it for you. They're awesome, man. He. He's a, a comedian, a Christian comedian, so it's clean, and that he will make your side hurt laughing, and it's good for you. But here I get to go, and I'm not going to have you laughing here in a minute. Just get ready to get up in the grill. I'm going to get nasty here, but it's okay. Amen. You're, raise your feet up. You can't handle it today. If you've got still toe shoes on, you should be okay. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. Judge not that you be not judged, for with the same judgment that you judge, you will be judged. And within the same measure you use it will also be measured back to you. And while you're looking at the speck in your brother's eye, why don't you consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck in your eye and look at a plank in your own eye? Amen. Hypocrite. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. That's, what it is. That's a turning point. Yeah. Amen. Hip hypocrite. How many likes been called that? I don't like being called that. But I am. I am that sometimes. Amen. You got freedom to say, okay, it's okay, Pastor. <laughs> this should be a time where you're loving on me right now. It's like, oh, Pastor, it's a hypocrite. <laughs> I think if you're in this human body, it's hard not to be a hypocrite. Yeah, yeah. Hypocrite if somebody says you're going to do something, then you don't do it. Or say you want to live a lifestyle, then you can't. It's hard being a Christian sometimes. Amen. 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 It was hard for Peter. He's cutting people's ear off. It's hard sometimes being a Christian. And when you let people down, that's the hypocrite coming out in us. Jesus doesn't want us to be hypocrites. That's not his desire for our life is for us not to follow through with the commands he gave us. He wants us to be the best we can be. He's joining us as an army, the army of the Lord, to be the people he's called us to be. Amen. And I want to be the best version of me I can be. Yes. And I want to use God's grace all I can. And I want to be the one that he fills with his love that I can transform a community. I want to be that person that can go out and lead and do the things he's called me to do. And everybody in here, you're in the same boat. Yes. Amen. God wants the best for you. I promise you that. But in your hypocrite moves, let's just talk about the first portion for this for a minute. 
In my opinion, this is probably the most out of context, wrongly stated verse in our culture today. Verse 1. Judge not, lest you be judged. How many of you ever heard that quoted? Even by some ungodly people. Yeah. Amen. Some of the worst in our civilization. You go around them, you say something about something, and talk about your Christianity, and they'll call you a hypocrite, and they'll, Judge not, lest you be judged. Oh, well, you're judging me that I'm judging. Right? Are they not? So if they're telling me I can't judge, they're judging me that I'm a judge. Kind of can't work that way. So as I look at that verse and think about that verse, this is Jesus standing on a servant on a mountain and telling his disciples and teaching and training his disciples. And think about this, in this context, that he's already said all these things, the Beatitudes and all these things that he's going through. He's talked about divorce. He's talked about cultural issues. He's talked about all kinds of stuff in the Sermon on the Mount. And he gets to the last chapter that he's going to talk about, this final chapter, and he says, look, and it's got to be like this, judge that you not be judged. Right. Judge not. Well, I said, wow. Wouldn't you love to be in a place where there's no judges? I wouldn't. You know why? Because it would be like the wild, wild west. That's right. That's scary. Amen. That's true. Them westerns you rock, they get pretty rough on there, don't they? There's no judge, there's no sheriff, there's no cop in town, and there's nobody there, and there's no law, and everybody just do whatever you want. That wouldn't be a good place to live. Like Garrison. Not like Garrison. Cindy says Rock Hill, amen. We all got a hometown somewhere. <laughs> the best will come out in all of us. Cindy's down there at Toadsburg. Uh, you know where that is. Burrow, sorry. Just that on purpose. Anybody from Toadsburg, sorry, I'm offended you. We love you. But Jesus is speaking here and he tells them, Judge not, lest you be judged. And as he's telling them this, if you only take that verse and just stay with it, that's what most people do. They just say that verse. They don't go on any farther than the They just stop right there. That's the verse they know. They know it better than they know John 3 16. And it's quoted a whole lot in our society. But how many would like to contextualize that just for a minute? That means to put it in what Jesus was truly saying. Amen. Amen. I want the truth out of it. I, I don't want to just take those words off what I think they are or for my perception or what my ideal of it is or my opinion of that is and what I think about judges and whatever that situation is. I don't want to do it that way. I want to look at it. What was Jesus saying? Was he saying nobody should ever judge? I don't think so. Because that would be the wild, wild west. He just went through a whole litany of things of telling people how to act. Of what to do in all this Sermon on the Mount. And then he says, judge not, let you be judged. And as he's saying this, he's talking to some people there that had been judgmental. How many know some judgmental people? Amen. They, they, they got all the answers for everybody. Come on, somebody. You know, you know they're perfect people. Maybe you're sitting beside them. I don't know. Don't look over if it's your spouse. You'll get in trouble. But Jesus is speaking to these people, and these judgmental people that had looked at this, and they was very judgmental and always pointing the finger at everybody else, but never truly accepting the truth and living it out their self. And that's what Jesus, why Jesus calls them a hypocrite. You're telling other people to do things, 
You'll strain a gnat and you'll swallow a camel. That's pretty big. That's a, that's a major difference, right? So, and there's all these things that goes into that too. And there's a whole lesson about that and what that meant culturally in their time. And Jesus is speaking to these people that were kindly judgmental like that, that they were judging people according to one standard, but living a life that wasn't that on the same tone. So Jesus is speaking to them and he said, Judge, let's not you be judged. For with the same judgment you judge, you will also be judged. How many would like to live a holy life? Amen. Yeah. Paul says, without holiness, no man will see the Lord. Amen? Amen. Bible also says the judgment will begin at the house of God. Amen. So when I walk in here, Ernie, I want to walk in here and receive some judgment. Amen. I, I welcome it. Amen. The judge of heaven, I'd rather him judge me now than on judgment day. Amen. I'd rather him judge me according to this word now and light a fire inside of my life that makes me walk out of this door and say, well, I'm going to change that. Uh-oh, Jesus got to my grill today. I'm going to be a little different when I walk out of here. I'm going to change now so that I don't have to spend eternity in hell. Amen. The judgment of God is true. Yes. It's final. And it is the authority. And it is the end all be all after it's all said and done. It'll be fair. Amen. How many believes God is fair? Yes. Amen. Amen. I believe He is a fair judge. Yes. There's a difference in a judge that isn't fair and a judge that is. Yes. He is the true judge that will be fair to you. But He's asking you to come up higher. Jesus stood on that mountain asking people, come up here and live in a life like this. Because when you do, it'll be blessed. You can be poor. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Like, you know, all these things that he was telling blessed, you can be these things and still be blessed. Amen. Amen. Got any poor folks in the room? You're still blessed. Amen. My poverty don't define who I am. Amen. Because I have to go to get, get help and get things like that. It doesn't make me a, a bad person. Amen. I'm defined by God. Amen. And his definition of me is I'm worthy of the blood of his son named Jesus to hang on a cross for my sins. That's how much I'm worth to him. Amen. You're fearfully and wonderfully made in his image. It's Palm Sunday. Isn't it beautiful? Today. Amen. So this judgment is amazing to me that Jesus is saying this. We don't want you to judge in an unworthy way, but in a holy way. And he goes on to tell him, he, he says, you're a hypocrite. That's where we're in a drop. Hypocrite. Everybody say hypocrite. Hypocrite. This would be a good time to admit. So just look at your neighbor and say, I'm a hypocrite. Amen. 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 I'm a hypocrite. Basically, what you're saying is, I failed God. Amen. amen. Anybody say, if you say you haven't, amen, you're a liar. You're already messed up. And your eternal damnation of hell fire. God says that's where liars are going to take their place. Amen. I'm not going to lie about it. I've messed up. Amen. I failed God. That doesn't mean I want to today. I'm out of yesterday. That don't mean I want to today. I don't want to be a hypocrite. But when I mess up, what does the Bible say? We have an advocate. Amen. We got an advocate with the Father. Who is that? That is Jesus up there sitting in heaven praying for you and me right now saying, Father, let me go down there. Let me send the Holy Spirit to go deal with our hearts so that they'll change now. Amen. He wants to deal with you that way. So this hypocrite. Where was that? Verse 5. First. Everybody say first. So my hypocritism is this. He called you a hypocrite, but then he's going to tell you how to change your hypocritism. Oh, is that a word? Hypocrisy. 
I sound like a hillbilly, but I'm smart. Because it's a change of hypocrisy. I like hypocrisy. I like to get up Show me what I was talking about. Come on now. We're good. We're good. So he's going to teach him. He's called a hypocrite, and then he says, first. You got to start on first. Amen. We have to start on first. I, I got to get something done. And how can I do it? I need some change in my life. First. Wow, first. That's eye-opening. That will be like, wow, Jesus is getting ready to say something awesome. Amen. I, I need some change here. He says, first, remove the plank from your own eye. I, I think I got a picture. But if there's it in there. There we go. Yeah. We're all doctors, amen. Everybody's a doctor. Everybody's got Google now. We just self-medicate, you know. Call the doctor and ask them what's wrong with them. Get on live health and do it, you know, on the phone. I've got a runny nose, whatever. And doctors on there and all that. We're all doctors. Then we Google and say, I don't know. I think he was wrong. Right? We all did that. So here we're all playing doctor. And we're looking at somebody that's got a little bit of speck in there. You can see this cat right here. They got a little speck right here. See, see it? Real little space right there. Isn't that real noticeable? Didn't that just catch your attention the, the second this picture showed up on the screen? It's like, oh, man, look at the little speck of that guy's eye. We looked like that, wasn't we? We was looking at the guy standing up there pretending to be a doctor with a plank coming out of his eye. Yes. It's very noticeable, isn't it? Yes. But guess what? It must not be to the doctor. Because the doctor says, let me take that speck out of your eye. Jesus is painting this picture in his parable type form, this scenario that he's telling. Has anybody ever got something in your eye? The metal workers around here. I know some of you welders or something. Or somebody ever been welding or something? I, I was driving one time and got something in my eye. It hurt. It hurt really bad. My eye wouldn't quit watering. It was welded shut. I, couldn't open it, tried to flush it out with water and all that stuff. It wasn't, I couldn't get it. I rubbed it with toilet paper, you know, tissue, trying to get it out. I self-medicated myself all I could. Couldn't get it out. It went two days at one time, and finally Leslie took me down to Maysville to the doctor down there, and, and the doctor went in, and he just took a little scalpel, and he just touched it, and like this, it just flipped right out. And it was instant relief. Instant. Tommy, you ever done that? Several times. Chris, you ever had something in your eye? Car group, too. I mean, splinters, it's crazy, but that, too. But as I got that out of my eye, the relief was instant. It's amazing how something that small can be so aggravating. And sometimes, you know, we categorize sin, don't we? You say, oh, that's a big sin. They can be a murder. They're a child molester. They're this. And they're up here, and these sins are up here. And I, I, I tell lies. It's, it's a little bitty sin down here. It's just one of these really little ones. It really don't matter. It's just a lot. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Good luck with that. Amen. But how many knows the second you tell that little big white lie, and something on the inside here starts beating, and you start thinking, man, I'm a hypocrite. I'm a hypocrite. I say I'm a Christian. I'm running around here telling everybody I'm a Christian. I'm a hypocrite, isn't it? Amen. 
Those little things will aggravate you to death, won't they? Bob says the fox is full of iron. Amen. I don't know about that man, the voice wondered about that scripture earlier. What does that mean? The fox takes a leaf on the vine? Oh, I, don't, I don't know what that means. Little tiny fox can spool the vine. Little things in your life troubles us. And it's just a nuisance. Amen? Those little bitty specks can be so painful. And Jesus comes to deal with them. Amen? Because humanity has never been able to completely obliterate sin and remove it from their life. But Jesus comes to change everything. Here we are today. Jesus is talking about judgment. He talks about hypocrite. And he says, first, remove the plank from your own eye. Then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. There's no big sin or little sin. It's sin. There's some things that God hates. He lists them in the Bible. There's, there's things that he hates, yes. But he hates all sin. And my little white life is just as bad as a child molester. And that's hard for some people, Amen. moral people, to get over. They're like, I, I can't deal with that. I can't put myself in the same category as them. Sin is sin. That's right. Sin separates us from God. Right. Amen? Amen. It puts us in rebellion and in denial of what he has done for us. So here, first, remove the plank from your own eye, and then you'll be clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So Christians, what's your job? First, get the plank out of your eye. Amen? Some of us are sitting in here, we're not just dealing with some specks, we're dealing with some planks. Amen? That's what Christians are. We're pretty planky. Amen? A group, a group of planks sitting around. And that's how the world looks at us. Because they can see us from the outside and your perception is not reality. Right. Amen. You're, we perceive ourselves to be something, but people outside see us in a whole different way. They Amen. They look at us and they critique us and they can see some things missing in our life. Yes. And as Christians, we've got to be very careful to uphold the standard yes. that God wants us to uphold. Amen. I'm not talking about perfection. You're never going to be perfect, but you ought to try. Paul said, I strive for perfection. I strive to go forward. I'm moving, and I'm doing those things. Paul wanted to do that. So remove the plank from our eyes so we can see a speck in our brother's eye. Do not give what is holy to the dogs. Verse 6. I love this one. Nor cast your pearls before the swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you into pieces. I like the part, don't cast your pearls before the swine. I say that all the time. I quote that one a lot. I like that verse. That part of that verse. I use it a lot. Some things are holy and so holy that the world will never understand until they come to know Jesus. And there are some things that you don't need to be out there as a Christian saying, Amen, because they don't understand them. I'm not telling you not to go represent Jesus and don't go speak on Jesus' behalf and don't go present the gospel. I'm telling you don't take holy things that's out of this word and go out there and judge the world according to them. Amen? It's not our job to judge like that. Amen? That's God's job. Our job is to spread the gospel of yes. Jesus. Amen? Amen? That it's a liberating feeling. And if you've ever been saved by the blood of Jesus, you know what I'm talking about. Yes. The weight lifted off your shoulders. Yes. Hebrews chapter 12 tells us to lay aside every weight and sin that so easily besets us. And let us run this race that we're in. And, and run 
run, 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 run. Running's no fun. Jordan told me a few weeks ago about uh, on the football team, you know, the hill behind the football field, running up and down the hill there behind it. That, that's no, he said, that's no fun. And I'm sure if you're smart off to the coach, you end up running a lot, won't you? He's just lazy. Okay, that's, that's what it is, just lazy. Yeah. I'm not running that hill. <laughs> Sammy, don't go out there and pick on the poor little boys on the baseball team. I'm representing them right now with my shirt on. I found it this morning. It was in the closet. I thought, I'm going to wear something there for today. And I found my baseball shirt. And Lisa said, you never wore that. You bought it and never wore it. So I, Sammy, I'm, I'm on the team. <laughs> today. Um, don't cast your pearl for the swine. Judgment must first begin at the house of God. Quoted that ago. And that means we are to judge ourselves on a higher standard than we are to judge others. Amen. 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 The more judgmental you become, the harder you should be on yourself. And the longer we're a Christian, the more judgmental we should be of ourselves. Amen. That I want to go to a higher place in God. How many would like to go to the next level? I want to move on up. Amen. I, I've been here enough and I seem like I've plateaued for a little while spiritually and I, I, I've got saved. I've got water baptized. I, I'm in a church. I, I have to be volunteering and I, I'm trying to do things and I'm trying to be a better person. And I, But it seems like I've just leveled out. I want to plane here. It seems like it's just a little bit stale, getting a little bit stale. Guess what? There's another place in God. Yes. And you'll never run out of higher places to go in God. And I'm asking you today and encouraging you today on this Palm Sunday, go in a new place with God. Seek Him while He may be found. He's going to knock on your heart's door and he wants to come in and sup with you. And that means relationship with you. I promise you, God wants to take you to a new place. But that new place isn't being judgmental of the world. The standards in this book is for his children. Amen. The standards in this book are for his children and his church. And it's not our job to go out there telling everybody, here's your problem, there's your problem, there's this, and point all these fingers. We're to go out there and say, Jesus loves you. That's right. And when they get in the church, guess what God through the Holy Spirit will do? He'll come in and right. use this word to challenge their life to come up to another level. His judgment will be true. His judgment will be pure. His judgment is holy, and he'll bring you to a new place in God. And it's amazing to me how so many people probably heard this sermon on the mount. And Jesus up here, this uh, God in the flesh speaking and them hearing him. They're like wild by what he's saying. and He's telling them this new way of, of, of judging and, and, and don't be a hypocrite to get the plank out of our eyes and all these things that he's telling these people. But here, I, I want to jump towards the end of the story of Jesus to lead us to Easter. And I've got nine minutes to do it. It's amazing to me, Palm Sunday is this. It's where Jesus comes in and he's heading towards Jerusalem and he knows he's going to be crucified. And most of the New Testament Gospels are within a two-week time period. It's amazing how much of, the, of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are based around the final two weeks of Jesus' life. Sermon on the Mount is early on. Most of the Gospels that we read are about the last two weeks of Jesus' life. And he knows. And he starts telling his disciples, it must needs that I go to Jerusalem. I, I have to go to Jerusalem. I don't have an option but go to Jerusalem. Why? Because I'm going there because I'm going to be crucified. They're going to take the Son of Man. They're going to bury him. And the disciples are all going to work. You're a king. I didn't understand. 
It says Jesus got up close to Jerusalem. You know, he's, he's coming in and he sees the city set upon a hill. and it, it cannot be hidden that he talked about in the Sermon on the Mount. All these things that tie back and tie back and forth. And Jesus is there and he, he's, I can imagine this going in and as he's headed towards Jerusalem, the city that God loves. It's the apple of God's eye, Scripture says. Jerusalem is the place, the center of the universe, in my opinion, that God loves Jerusalem. And he tells all Christians everywhere, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Even today, we should be praying for Jerusalem. And Jesus is going towards this city. And he gets close and he tells his disciples, go out, we're going to have this, this supper. I want you to go out. I need you to go over here. You disciples go over here. You're going to go ask the man for a donkey. And they're, they're going to let you get it. And they're going to let you bring it. It's a donkey that's never been reared before. If I ever been around a donkey, <laughs> Anybody ever been around a horse that hasn't been broke? Donkeys are even dumber, more stubborn than a horse. Like mule, it's a halfway between. They're, they're all good. But if one ain't been broke, I don't like anything bigger than me. That's just me. I, I'm not riding a horse that's bigger than me. It, it can whoop me. I, I, I'm not doing that. I just, I'm not a horse rider. I'm not going to be a horse rider. I'm not doing it. It's bigger than me. I'm not doing it. Leslie did that in Louisiana one time. That knocked off on the limb. <laughs> Still didn't learn the lesson, probably. I'm sure she'd get on one of somebody let her ride. So, but Jesus tells her to go get this donkey in it. It's never been wrong before, Rick. That's just dumb bounce me. That's not going to be the one I'm going to get on right into town. On my final big entry, and I'm going into Jerusalem, and I, I'm going in as a king, and, and it just amazes me that Jesus said, go get a donkey, which is a lowly creature, and he didn't come in on a white stallion and, and all that. He came in with the donkey that never been wrong before, a little coat. The story goes to Jesus and the disciples bring it back. You know, they go get the donkey, and the guy says, Yeah, take it, let, it, let him use it. And, and Jesus gets on the back of that donkey, and, and they begin to parade him. And as they do, all the people in Jerusalem are there, and they begin to throw palm branches down. That's why it's called Palm Sunday. They throw palm branches down, and they make this big platform. It's like rolling out the red carpet in their generation, in their society. And as Jesus is riding through there on this donkey that's never been rolled before, but it's already broke. Tell me he ain't in control of the universe. Amen. 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 He comes riding in on his donkey. And they're throwing these palm branches. And they're all screaming and hollering. It says, Hosanna. Hosanna. They're crying out, Hosanna. I wonder if it was some of the same people that was there in the early days that heard the Sermon on the Mount. That were dumbfounded by all the miracles that he did. Lazarus coming from the dead. All these things and miracles we read about in these Gospels. Here Jesus comes right through on this coach. They're saying, Hosanna, save us. How many feels the need to be saved? Amen. I need saved. Amen. From who? Myself. Amen. I need to be saved for myself. So Jesus comes through and they're screaming, save us. Hosanna. And it's amazing to me how that they did this on Palm Sunday. And this same group of people stays in Jerusalem because it's a feast. And it's a time where they go there. And this feast in, in the Jewish culture and the Jewish religion, they would go there. All, all, all the Jewish people would be there. And Judaism requires it that you go and serve on this feast. And they're all in Jerusalem for this big feast. And as they're sitting there, 
And they're hollering these words. And five days later, from Sunday till Friday, these same people that were screaming Hosanna now are screaming, hang him. Give us Barabbas. How do you go in a week's time from save me to hang him? Amazing. But I don't think we're too far away from that. Amen? Because I can come into church on a Sunday morning, Joe God. I can come in here and my heart get full. And I can sense the Holy Spirit and I know the presence of God is here. And I know that God is moving. And man, I can walk out here and feel, man, I'm saved and I'm saved and I'm saved again. Amen. It's good stuff. Amen. Amen. Then next thing you know, you get to Monday morning, you wake up, and you forget to pray, and you're in a rush, and you got to get to work, and then the next thing you know, you get to Wednesday, the same thing. Then the next thing you know, Thursday, and it's like, man, I've already got a hump day over with. I'm going towards the weekend here. Maybe I'll get back, and I'm just hanging out till Sunday and Thursday morning, and all hell breaks loose at work, and this is going on, and family's calling and bickering about this, and all that going on, right? And you got a problem. Am I the only one? Y'all act like you don't know what I'm talking about. We can go from Hosanna to kill him the same way. Amen. Amen. Mm -hmm. On a weekly basis almost. And it's scary to get there. And as I'm saying that, I'm preparing you for this week. Can I tell you that the enemy does not want your family and friends to come with you next weekend to Easter service? Yeah. Amen. 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 It's going to be where the enemy is going to come in like a flood. But guess what? The Spirit of God will raise up a standard. He'll bring me through. Amen. I'm going to walk through hell's fire this week. But guess what? I'm coming on through. Amen. I'm not going to hang out here. I'm not going to let the enemy stop me from being a witness for Jesus. Amen. I'm not going to go out this week and be judgmental. I'm not going to be mean. I'm not going to be argumentative. I'm going to go out and love people this week. And I'm going to love all week long. Amen. Enemy, do what you want. But guess what? I'm going to love people this week. And I'm going to invite people to come with me. Why? Because it's getting ready to be Easter. There's going to be an empty grave next weekend, amen, amen, where the Son of God is sitting on the right hand of the Father and He saves anybody that will come to Him. Amen. We're heading towards Easter. Amen. Hell's coming. Guess what? We'll get through if we want to. Amen. Let's get the planks out of our eye so that some specks can be dealt with. We love Jesus when His Word offers us grace. But we don't love him near as much when he judges our misdeeds. Amen. Amen. We're sitting in here today, and maybe Jesus and maybe not through the Holy Spirit has talked to you about something, and you're sitting here when I talk about little sins and all that, you're thinking, man, I gotta deal with that. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for dealing with me. God, I want you to come and judge my life to make me a better person. Holy Spirit, quicken me. This mortal body into being the holy thing that God created. Amen. Spiritual people should judge, but they should judge spiritually according to what God's Word says. 1 Corinthians 2.15 says, Those who are spiritual can evaluate all things or judge all things, but they themselves cannot be judged by others. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach Him? But we understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. You have a right to judge Mostly, judge yourself. As Jesus 
And I was thinking about this in all this scenario of the culture that was going on in the Sermon on the Mount. I want to end this sermon series with this, these verses the way Jesus did. That Matthew wrote it down about all these things that he just said. Verse 28 29 of Matthew 7. It says, And so it was when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his teaching. For he taught them as one having authority, not as the scribes. When I come to church, I want to feel something. Amen. 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 And what I want to feel is the presence of God that quickens me to make me better. I hope and pray that you don't walk out here today thinking, man, Pastor Ben is one of the judgmental Christians. I know that's still out there. I don't want you walking out here like that. Because I don't want to be that. And I don't want our church to be known as a church as a place of judgment. I want when people walk through the doors here and sit down and say, I've never been in a place that I've been loved more than walking in the place that we're in. Amen. Because Jesus is love. But he does speak truth. And that love and truth together, paired together, will make an awesome congregation. And that's who we are. We don't shy away from truth and hard things and hard topics. But we'll do it in love because that's what God wants us to do. That's right. And judgment is a part of it. Let's say a few points out. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes, if you will. Just take a moment of reflection. something that you've been dealing with a while. You've been trying to get out of a certain situation or a certain thing. And you've been trying to deal with something going on in your life. You've tried to deal with it yourself. You've tried to come up with your own answers. And the Holy Spirit's dealing with you right now. He's saying, give it to Jesus. Let him be the doctor. Quit Googling it.
Lord, you're challenging us as a group to be better people, to live holy lives, to keep ourselves unspotted from this world that you said through your word. Paul told him, help us to as people in this room just pray that prayer and you're dealing with our hearts and you're asking them to come up higher to the Sermon on the Mount that they live lives according to your standards and as they sit here today and they're making the decision in their heart and in their mind right now I'm going to follow Jesus and I'm going to seek him for answers because I need help be here and never given your life to Jesus before. You've never turned your life over to Him to be Lord of your life. Today would be a good day for that. Maybe you've been a Christian for 30 years and you're sitting here and saying, I've still got some things going on and Jesus is dealing with me today. I need some help. Both people need help. Everywhere in the place. Nobody look around. Every head behind every eye closed. So everybody here today, lift your hand and say, I need some help. Holy Spirit's dealing with me. I need some hands. Amen. Hands everywhere. That's awesome. I need some help today. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Paul says, I look to the hills from whence come my help. And as you look upward towards Jesus, You'll go to a new place in here. Jesus, I ask you to cleanse hearts in this place today. That you fill us with all your righteousness, God. That our righteousness is filthy right And God, I pray over this congregation and the people that raised their hands and they didn't want to sit, God, that you would come in and move, God, that you would stir us, that you would prod us along to be the people that you've called us to be. God, help us as the bridge to do the things that you've called us to do as a congregation. God, empower us to be bold witnesses for you. God, that we wouldn't go out and be judgmental to the world that we're in, but God, that we would go out and show your love and your grace and your mercy and your kindness. And Lord, that the fruit of the Spirit would abound in our lives. Lord, that people would know that the bridge is a place that they can come in and they can seek you. Help us to be the loving congregation that you've always allowed us to be. I pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody says, Amen. Amen. Amen.